0: hello and welcome to exhaling words the language podcast where i just sit and talk about languages for an indefinite amount of time and hopefully you listen (laughs) for those of you who don't know my name is erin and yeah let's start from the beginning uh i have a good authority that it is a very good place to start so this is by you know most obvious accounts the very first episode of the X words podcast. And I should probably tell you what this is and what I'm doing here. So let's start with what is, what is this podcast and how did it come to be? So what is this podcast? This podcast is a place for me to talk about languages. <laughs> um, I've been around on the online language community for a relatively long time. Um, I'm trying to do the math in my head. It's definitely around 10 or plus years now at this point. Um, And I've tried everything. I have had Tumblers and blogs and websites and YouTube channels, collaborative YouTube channels, Instagrams, educational Instagram accounts, and none of those platforms really felt right. For the most part, for those of you who follow me, I do most of my... um, work on Instagram these days I post pictures I make stories whatever and as much as I enjoy that there are times where that feels still like a slightly off platform for me um and I mentioned to a friend sometime last year that oh hey what do you think about podcasting one because I love to talk and not for narcissistic reasons believe me um but I mean I work with languages so talking kind of makes sense right and then too, my, my thought to her that I shared was, I feel like I get a lot of really good feedback on Instagram when I just sort of go onto the story and talk. Um, sometimes when I plan things, when I try to, you know, do something nicer, I mean, it goes well, but it's not the same as when I'm just brutally honest about the struggles of language learning or personal struggles that I'm having or whatever, um, and I just put in my stories and talk very honestly. And people usually respond really well to that. So I thought, why not put that somewhere else on the internet? (laughs) Whatever it was, my friend thought it was a very good idea. And she encouraged me. And this has been a months-long process. um, Just dealing with other things in my life. Coming up with a name and a logo. And then just thinking about what is it that I really want to do here. Um, And honestly, the more I thought about it, the more I felt like I was going away from the original intent. Um, One of the first names that I thought of for this podcast was Aaron's Brain? And as stupid of a name as that was, and I'm glad I didn't go with it, and that's really just what I wanted to do. Um, I've talked about this before uh, on other platforms, but I'll say it here since this is new and some of you may have not interacted with me before, but I have ASD, which is um, Autism Spectrum Disorder, Um, I don't usually like to use the word autistic to say I am autistic, not that I have a problem with that identity, but it's a relatively newer identity in my life, and I don't know, I I like to think of it as a part of me instead of all of me, and so I usually just say that I have ASD, Um, so that's my preferred language around that, and so sometimes I feel like my brain is just functioning in a way that other people's brains don't. And sometimes I've shared bits and pieces of this with people and their responses. Oh, well, we all have weird moments like that, or we all, you know, think differently, or we all are self-conscious about stuff. But then I think about how, well, I just gave you like an eighth of, you know, what I was thinking about for those two seconds. Um, What goes on in my brain a lot of times is way more than that, and can sometimes be scary and very overwhelming. And so I thought, I really just want to kind of just put word vomit on the internet. (laughs) But, you know, give it a title and make it a little bit more fancy. So that's really what this is, is I just really want to sit here and talk with you all um, for an indefinite period of time. We're going to shoot for 30 minutes. I hope it doesn't turn into an hour, Um, but we'll see. And I just want to share whatever is going on in my mind or in my life for that week. Um, Particularly with regards to language, but I feel like I don't need to say that because that's pretty much what's always going on in my mind or in my life. Um, So I think that leads me well into who am I and how did I get here? Um, When I say that, you know, language is what's always going on in my life. I really truly mean that. Um, I started studying foreign languages when I was 13 years old, which is relatively late for a lot of people. Um, You know, a lot of my friends and colleagues and people that I come into contact with are raised bilingually. They have these great childhood stories of traveling and, and studying abroad and experiencing all these things that I did not get living in a lower income family in a rural part of the US. Um, so, my upbringing was, you know, I would say mostly white people. There, there were people of color in our community, but they were definitely in the minority. Um, and, you know, most everybody spoke English. And to the point where the town that I grew up with, or that I grew up in while I was still a child legally made the official language English. Now, that doesn't mean it's illegal to speak another language. All it means is that the city government is not required to provide translation, nor are businesses. Um, It's totally inappropriate, and I have a lot of issues with it, but um, it's where I was raised. And I think that as I grew older, I really wanted to get outside of this. I mean, from a very young age, I definitely was interested in the world and what all was out there outside of you know, this area that I grew up in. Um, My mother likes to tell this story about how we had these encyclopedias. And one of them was about countries around the world and had like a couple pages about the UN. And I used to tell her, oh, I'm going to work here one day. Um, I don't remember ever saying that to her. It's a cute story. But I do remember that book. And I do remember being fascinated by world geography. I used to have these sorts of quizzes with my grandmother, and she knew all the state capitals, and I knew not all, but a lot of the world capitals, and I knew nothing about U.S. geography. And so when I entered the eighth grade in the American system of education, so I was right around 13, um, I had the opportunity to take Spanish, and I jumped on it. Um, I had, I have two older sisters and they had both studied French and I was like, yes, I want to learn a foreign language. How do I do this? And the opportunity for Spanish was there and I fell in love and Spanish was the first foreign language that I learned. I threw myself into it. I immersed myself. I listened to music. I tried to talk to my dog in Spanish. I did all this stuff. And I don't know. It just sort of lit this spark inside of me of like, what else can I do? And even more than that, I think it was also a question of what else is there, you know? After being in a monolingual, purely English-speaking community and living my life that way, and then finally sort of getting this door open to how do other people speak and how do they communicate and how does that reflect culture? And especially with a language so diverse as Spanish where, you know, Argentine Spanish is very different from, you know, Spanish from Spain, which is very different from Mexican Spanish or Dominican Spanish. It just really sort of lit this flame inside of me to see what the rest of the world held. And so I did that. I spent hours sitting on the internet and I racked up so many library finds, checking out books and ordering books from other libraries because our library didn't have a whole lot. And I just devoured everything I could I didn't get fluent in a bunch of languages or anything but I would just read whatever I could get my hands on about you know I did French and Brazilian Portuguese and Mandarin and Russian and Arabic and Japanese and German and I hit most of the big ones during high school um, even if I didn't get fluent in really any of them besides you know my French got pretty good um, I, I I at least explored and experienced. Um, a lot of those sort of major world languages that people talk about. Um, I would say that in spite of that sort of uh, voracious curiosity that I had in high school, really like the most impactful part of my language learning journey has been during university, um, especially given sort of what my career is now. Um, When I got to college, I thought I was going to go work for, you know, uh, some sort of UN-related NGO or the UN itself. And I thought, okay, well, I really like Chinese, um, and I speak pretty good Spanish and French, and let me improve them. Um, Oh, I should have an aside here where I say, like, I had been to South America four times. The family that I grew up in um, was very religious, and our church would do mission trips to South America, so I went to Peru four times. I worked as an interpreter. I did volunteer simultaneous interpretation back in the U.S. after I returned. Um, So my Spanish, by the time I got to college, was already pretty fluent. And um, my French was good. I read it like a nice, comfortable intermediate level, like probably around a low B2. But my speaking was just awful. Mostly just from a lack of practice. I just had never really had speaking practice because I'd done most of it on my own. And so when I got to college, I was like, okay, well, we're going to really like, you know, hit it home with the Spanish and the French, you know, do a double major in Spanish and French and work in Chinese. And the university that I started at, University of Pittsburgh, had these sort of language learning, or they had learning communities for different topics. And I immediately went and sought out what the language ones were. And they had Italian. I was doing Spanish and French. They had Japanese. I was doing Chinese. And then they had Arabic. And I was like, Well, that's a UN language. I'm going to get to it eventually. Might as well try it. And I fell in love. Like, literally in love. Um, If there's anything that I will immediately cop to, um, given my language learning, it is that I have a tendency to explore and try, but not commit. Um, I am a serial language dater. Um... (laughs) And so when I have something like Arabic enter my life, and it's now been 11 years, and I'm still madly in love with it as a language, I think that really says something. Um, And I did, I fell in love, and people ask me, you know, was it Arab culture, was it food, was it literature, was it poetry, you know, what was it? And honestly, it was the language, and I'm sure there will be several episodes or things dedicated to this later on in my life. Um, or later on in this podcast, and there are other things, other projects in my life that I'm working on um, related to this, but so Arabic, (laughs) as a Semitic language, its morphology is what we call in linguistics non concatenative which means that it works on a system of patterns. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to do this as quickly as possible. So you have a triliteral or quadriliteral root, and to create new words, you place vowels around it and sometimes other consonants and it's not just suffixes or prefixes there are some suffixes and prefixes but it's here in between the second and the third root consonants we're going to put a long i or here between the first and the second root consonants we put a long a an ah sound and then between the second and the third we put an is sound and this means doer of whatever that root is so I fell in love with this. I'm really good with patterns. I'm good with sounds. I'm I'm, I'm musical. My whole family's musical. Um, And I think a lot of the pattern stuff is related to my ASD, and it all just clicked. You know, to this day, I have friends who like speak great Arabic, but they will look at me and go, hey, if I wanted to put this root in this pattern, what would it be? And I can just produce it. There's something about the way the sounds and the patterns work together, and I can get it to roll off my tongue. Um, Anyways... I just, I fell in love with this. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I still to this day think it's one of the coolest things ever. And um, then I just fell down this rabbit hole with Arabic. I love Arabic's diglossia and all the different dialects and its history. And then um, towards the end of college, I started researching Arabic's influence on other languages. And that's how I got into Persian. And then I started doing dialects of Persian. And then language contact between you know, those languages and other languages. And it's just all sort of snowballed into the past 10 years of my life. Um, So, okay, so let me step back and sort of summarize all that. um, So I ended up finishing my bachelor's degree in French and Arabic. Um, I I let Chinese go because I wasn't focused on Arabic so much. And I went on to do a master's in... I mean, officially, my master's is in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations, and if you ask me what my track was, I was under um, Histories and Cultures of Islamic Societies. Um, I was put there because I didn't just do Arabic, and I didn't just do Persian, and so what connects them? Islam. And I did historical stuff, so that's what my master's is in. Um, I still think of myself more as a linguist or a philologist, which I'm sure I'll get to if not in this episode, in a later episode, um, which word of those I prefer and why. And um, so that was my master's degree. And then I began a PhD in um, Iranian studies, focusing on ancient Iran. Um, I generally just say my PhD, or what I began was a PhD in Iranian historical linguistics. I was interested in pre-Islamic, or languages of pre-Islamic Iran, especially of um, Iranian Central Asia and then I dropped out. And so, yeah, my life has just been sort of this weird whirlwind of stuff. I mean, all of it's been language related or culture or history or related to something. Um, I mean, really that's just sort of the professional official side. Then in addition to all of that, I would just study languages for fun. I went through, I don't know, so many sort of, I guess you could call them phases. I don't like numbers, I think the whole concept behind counting our languages and polyglottery or whatever, like making polyglottery a goal, is weird. Um, I sort of fell into this, I just love languages and I love doing this, I never thought, oh I really want to speak five or six languages, Um, but if we count everything I've sort of dabbled in, played with, dead languages, living languages, constructed languages. I mean, we're really looking at anywhere from 75 to 100 or more, um, because again, this sort of insatiable curiosity abounds in me um, when it comes to languages and communication, and so sometimes I go on these like almost ASD-driven fits of focus and study, and I'll study nothing but finish for two weeks um, or. I did that in 2015. Um, now I know no Finnish, and I use no Finnish, and I've forgotten pretty much everything, besides maybe, what is it, like, huva paiva, or something like that, um, which I don't even know what it means. It means hello, welcome. I don't, I don't remember. Um, so I don't like to say, like, oh, look at me, I'm 29, and I've studied 80 languages. I don't think that that's valid or useful. There's experience there, you know. I, I, I understand theory of languages i'm focused in my linguistic research in morphology and in historical linguistics and then the development of morphological systems particularly verbal systems in languages of western asia and central asia and so even just having experience in a language there is valuable from a linguistic standpoint but when it comes to languages i actually speak or know well i mean we're really looking at less than 10 um, which i think for an american raised in a rural part of the united states is still a feat or at the very least on the internet. And when I go home and visit people, like, you know, I'm very much lauded for what I've learned. But to be honest, you know, in the world of people on the internet, in the world of academia, it doesn't feel like a lot. You know, I I had a professor who was my master's advisor who easily, and I'm talking like at a high level of fluency, like B2C1C2 easily spoke something like 15 languages, not even exaggerating. And so I don't often think of myself as, I don't know, special in that way. Um, I think of myself as special in other ways. (laughs) But maybe not just because, oh, I speak multiple languages. I find that kind of weird still. I think what might be special about me if there is something is my obsession and my passion about it. You know, I think a lot of people learn languages. A lot of people enjoy languages. I don't feel like I meet a lot of people who sort of fall into these sorts of tirades where all they can talk about is languages um, to the point of like, you know, having almost like mental fits about it um, where you can't get it off your head, you can't focus on anything else um, and it absorbs and overtakes your life Um, and even when you do work that isn't language or linguistic related all you're thinking about is languages or how the things that you're doing relates to languages or the words about the things that you're doing or you know it's just I don't think that's quite as common but I also don't think that that's something to be praised for that's the brain I have so yeah anyways I think we've gotten a little bit off task here um yeah like that's that's who I am and that's how I've gotten here and there's so much more that I could talk about and there's so many stories I could tell about languages I've studied and weird things or some of the experiences I've had traveling abroad while I was in academia still or just my opinions on academia. Um, but I'm sure those stories will come out in time. Um, I do want to talk about a few more things since this is sort of an intro episode. I want to talk about why I picked this name. Um, where did the term exhaling words come from? Um, and why didn't we go with Aaron's brain? (laughs) I think part of the thing about Aaron's brain was that it wasn't obviously language related. I mean, if somebody knows me, they're going to know that it's language-related, but if you're just searching for language podcasts on the internet, accidentally Words has the word words in it. I mean, that's something. So, story time. I have spent most of my career and most of my language learning life um, working on Western Asia and Central Asia. Um, I speak Arabic, and I speak Persian, and um, a couple other Western and Central Asian languages, and so I wanted to somehow reflect that. And so I started searching the internet and asking friends and uh, colleagues and people that I've you know met online. Are there idioms in your languages that would describe somebody who's very talkative, but in a positive way? or somebody who, you know, has a way with words? Not that I think I'm some sort of poet or great orator. Um, I am not that naive or that vain. But I just really wanted something that I could use or translate into English or something to kind of name this project. And I got a really great list of stuff in several languages, and I should write it down one day and share it with you all because I think it's kind of cool. But one of the things I got from a Syrian fr- friend of mine is a, uh, an expression in Arabic, which is, يب لها which is like, um, he swallows air and out comes words or speech. And I mean that doesn't sound quite as nice, but the the idea of swallowing air um, instead of even using like the word, you know, inhale or something. It's it's this idea of like somebody who talks so much that they go, ah, blah, 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 and everything comes out. And I really liked that image, and I was like, what can I do that? And rather than saying inhaling and then exhaling words or and then outcoming words, I just was like, I think exhaling works. Exhaling words. Um, And so I really like the idea of that's kind of what it is, is, is I can just talk and talk and it's like words are just pouring out of me, even if they don't make sense, even if they're not always connected, even if I don't know what language they're in sometimes, it's words and the love for words and this passion and obsession for words that I have is just coming out of me like breath. And so I just thought that was great and I hope you like it too. And if you don't, well, that's the name of the podcast anyways. So that's sort of who I am and how I got here and how the podcast came to be. So where does this go moving forward? I don't know. Um, I mean, really, there are topics I've already written down. I have a nice relatively long list of like, these are things that I've thought about that I want to talk about more. Um, Some of them are... Obviously, very language related. Some of them are a specific thing to a specific language or family of languages. Some of them are sociolinguistic concepts or language learning concepts. Um, I mean, I'm talking everything from the diversity of how we express age in multiple languages to my obsession with the development of the Arabic verbal system to, you know, questions of language and identity, both in terms of. The identity that we have as speakers of a specific language as well as the identity of language learners and how we balance all of this. And yeah and and again because languages are just a part of my life they're they're my career they're what I do literally every single day, both for work and when I come home I I'm sure more and more things will pop up and as things pop up I will record and if there's ever a request, Um, That anybody wants to hear me talk about something, has questions, they want me to explain something, I am also open to that. I make no promises that I would ever like bring on a guest or an interviewee or something. Um, I'm not against interviews. I just, again, in the most narcissistic way possible, I just really, this is about me and me just talking and sharing my thoughts and my words with people. And so... I'm not really interested in um, doing anything besides that. I'm open. I've thought about there are certain people that I enjoy talking to and maybe just recording our conversation um, rather than doing it as a formal interview. It might be fun, but we're going to see where and how this goes. Um, it's new. I have a full-time job and this is what I'm doing in my free time. So it's going to be raw. It's going to be mostly unedited. <laughs> um, I've had a few interruptions today with timers and oven and things. Um, And that's just what it is. And so I hope everybody's really like ready to just come along for the ride. I'm excited. I really am. There's just so much that I have to say. And to be frank, you might think some of it's useless. And that's fine. I might later think it's useless now that I have put it out there. But this is just me putting it out there. Because sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to let it all out. We were talking in a class in my temple the other day about sort of the value of words and the value of just putting words out there and somehow we don't realize they're valuable or that they're not valuable but sometimes you also just have to do it you just have to write this is why people journal or whatever i'm not great with journaling i'm a talker so i'm just gonna talk and this is it so I think that's sufficient for a first episode. I'm really proud of myself for time. Um, I'm sure there will be other days where I do not keep it under 30 minutes and I make no promises to set a specific time. I think once I get through a few episodes, we'll know more or less their length. But for now, I think keeping it under 30 minutes has been good. And I'm very proud of myself. Pat's on the back for me. Um So before I sign off and everything, I do want to give some shout outs just to people that, one, I love dearly and two, have been really great to me during this process. Um, The very first one and by far the most important one is my friend Marissa. You can find her on Instagram as multilingual Marissa. And wherever I put show notes or something like that, I will have a link to her Instagram for you. Um, She's wonderful. She's amazing. She's my therapist, my friend, my language learning study buddy, and she also did all of the graphics uh, for the logo and things. So shout out to her and props to her for that. She's amazingly talented and you should go follow her. She makes memes and talks about languages and does some really cool projects with um, blogging stuff. Um, You know, like, One of her projects that she's working on now is about relearning a heritage language. She's a heritage Polish speaker, and she's relearning Polish and sort of sharing that journey with people. Um, She has great resources for things like doing yoga in French and great French bloggers and Spanish bloggers and all these great things. Um, Her website's amazing, and I'll have links to everything for everyone. Um, I think one of her latest posts that's just coming out right now is about linguistics and podcasting. We talked about this because I'm a linguist and I'm doing a podcast. But there's other great linguists who are doing podcasts um, that she's sharing with people. And I highly recommend that you all go uh, look at her stuff. And I just feel like I need to say here, like, I wasn't asked to do this. And and I'm not being paid to do this. Like, Marissa's just wonderful. And I really think you all should go look at her stuff. The other person that I want to give a shout out to is um, Kirsten from The Fluent Show. Kirsten um, is German, um, she lives in the UK now, and she does language coaching and stuff. Um, she's also one of the organizers of the Women in Language Conference, and um, she's just in general a wonderful human being. Her podcast is great, you should go listen to it, but um, even more than just that, she you know she answered all my questions about setting up a podcast and all these things, and she's really just been there as a great resource for me, so I feel like I need to thank her publicly for that. Um, and yeah, so go check out um, Marissa and Multilingual Marissa and Kirsten from The Fluent Show. I'm blanking on her handle right now. It's something like Kirsten Fluent, but I will link everything in my show notes and stuff. And then, yeah, where do you find me? Um, chances are, if you're listening to this, you have actually found me from one of my own social media platforms because this is my first episode and where else would you find it um but if for some reason you found this via podcasting and you don't already follow me on social media i am polyglot Aaron p-o-l-y-g-l-o-t Aaron e-r-i-n all one word on most major social media i have not joined tiktok i'm too old for it and i refuse But I have uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But if you really want to interact with me more, I am the most active on uh, Instagram. I'm there every day for hours. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say for today. So thank you all for listening. Again, I know things are raw, but that's kind of the goal of this. And I hope you all sit back and enjoy the ride with me and just stick along and see where this goes. And Thank you. I'll see you next time.